almost got an accident, but we're good. <laughs> the Stay at Home Fad podcast does not condone uh, video chat and driving. Let the, rec- let the record show. All right, I'm going to get going here, guys. Ready? Three, yep. two... Hey, hey, and welcome to Stay at Home Fad, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, wolverines, and, well, actually, no, we'll, we'll cut it out there. No spice. Go green. But everybody, welcome to another episode, a late release episode this week of the Stay at Home Fad podcast, and we're going to get into the reason why that is. And I thought about maybe bringing this up at the end of the podcast, but we're actually going to start. I'm joined today by the Jabronis. We have our good friend at the Keto Grill Guy, Mr. Joe Leal. Joe, how are you today? Congrats on your Dallas Cowboys not being a complete failure with Prescott going. Cooper Rush season, baby. Let's go. Cooper Rush season. And to my left on the uh, Zoom chat, we've got. Uh, producer slash defensive coordinator, Sam, how is it going, my friend? Uh, defensive coordinator, Sam's doing good. Had a 35 to six victory last week. Let's go. Uh, producer Sam, also Steelers fan, Sam is not doing so hot over here, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to football eventually. And for, I, I don't know how long, um, depending on, uh, his schedule and, and all the various important things that he has to attend to. We also have Ricky Ricardo, the Sparty Slappy. How's it going, Richie? Going great. Uh, could could uh, could be better on the Spartans end, but the Lions are winning the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned at this point. So I'm yeah, good. That's that's I would I would say that's as close to a lock as I've ever felt. Uh, Richie, you've had some computer woes this week. Uh, just know that our thoughts and prayers are with you. What any updates? We had have a big event coming up for Richie's job and. He potentially lost uh, his computer. How are we doing on the computer front there, my friend? Uh, she's laid to rest, mm. but uh, it's okay because uh, we found another way, which we always do. You got to make do when, uh, when things are hard-pressed against you. You just got to find a way, all right? I, thank you. Sounds like a Mel Tucker should hear that. Yeah. No, it yeah, sounds like Richie's out there treading water. Sounds is what it sounds like. Richie just yeah, know. Yeah, I'm treading water in a lot of areas of life, including football and work. But uh, hey, we're not dead yet. Just know, Richie, that stay at home fad and the vast listenership of this illustrious indie podcast. We are all with you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know Joe isn't, but I don't need him. It's fine. Yeah. I'll be honest, guys, this is a bit of an off the rails episode already, and I love it. I, I generally come into a podcast with a little bit of uh, notes and stuff like that. And this week I said, nope, not going to do that because something came up. We were supposed to record last night and uh, some <laughs> some some little um, I want to call it a cult, but I think I'll let some of the, the guys in the room speak to that a little bit more. But um Joe, we, we were potentially, generally we record Tuesday nights and uh, from time to time you guys join me, which I love. Let me let me just start by saying I love having the Jabronis join me on the Stay at Home Thad Show. Uh, but last night there was a little bit of interference. And uh, so, so Joe, I just, I want to, I want to give you the floor here 
to just walk us through yeah. what what took place last night, and maybe we can jump into that <clears throat> in a couple minutes. Yeah, well, obviously, last night was the season finale of The Bachelorette. Is it obviously uh, though, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, you can you can bring it back to football related as the host is one Jesse Palmer, former quarterback of the New York Football Giants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the season finale, and so yeah, I told Thad very simply. I go, the show ends at 10 o'clock, but then there's obviously after the final rows. Well, it, uh, let's, let's hold on, Joe. Let's, let's rewind a little bit here because we had been texting in the morning saying, Hey, is this, is this possible? And it was said, yes, it ends at 10 shortly after. And that's 10 Eastern. Just remember, this is a, this is a multi time zone podcast. So we're, we're constantly having to do math and juggle that. And it's it's the worst. But uh, Joe said, hey, 10 o'clock shortly thereafter should be good to go at about. I don't know. Should we should we call it 950 Eastern, which is be about 850 Central uh, message goes out. Hey, are we still I believe it was Sam maybe said, hey, are we still going to watch and uh, it, or record? I mean, and it was, you know, yes is all around. And then Joe said, well, this th- this goes till 11. Can we speak yeah, to that a little bit? Could we just speak to yeah, that a little so, bit? Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> obviously it was the most dramatic season finale ever, which, <laughs> I mean, we can get into that if you want. Tino being an absolute sociopath. Wow. Um, I it, was, it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, Sam's in another group thread with me where we were breaking down The Bachelor, and it kind of even crossed over to our fantasy football thread. There was a lot of threads. It was. I Bachelor. feel like – I feel like I want to push back on Tino being a psychopath. Um, no. What that, oh, what that so show – Weird. No. What that show did to him last night was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on live TV. Granted, he shouldn't have done what he did, but I felt like his apology was valid, and that chick went off the rails, and then they doubled down with the producer move, and wow. I am officially done with that show after last night. Well, if, if we're going to wow. be attacking producers, I, maybe we can hand the, sh- the floor over to producer Sam, who has some experience in this department. Sam, you too are a bachelor, bachelorette or bachelor, because I, I never know what's playing. Because oh, I think this is I think this is literally the dumbest show in the history of the world. But Sam, can you speak to maybe what what happened with this producer, you know, so, being called out by Richie? Yeah, so it's all the same family, bachelor, bachelorette. Bachelor in Paradise. It's all Wait, the same. this is a family thing on the show. I mean, it's on ABC. Well, it's like, it's like it's on the, ABC, which is owned by yeah, Disney. A, so, yeah, it's all all family. Oh, honestly, sorry. it's just, maybe more wholesome than Disney these days. So, whatever. oh my gosh, we'll save that for another podcast. When you said a family thing, I thought I, I went to a weird place in terms of okay. like who Here, is courting let who. Down. Let me let me just give the quick breakdown. There was the dude that won. Essentially, because let's call it what it is. He won the competition because and in his head, I think he won. I I don't think comfortable. Yeah, this is how it is. This is how it is. He made it to the end. Then they had they after he proposed to Rachel, they hit they hit some uh, some rough patches, which happens. Spoiler alert. Ninety eight percent of the time (laughs) in that show happens. (laughs) They hit rough patches. Wait, wait. People hit rough patches after they get off the show and actually have to date? That's weird. Let's, let's keep going. So, let's so keep the, moving. the person in question, Tino, he, Tino. he yeah. proposed Tino. to Rachel. He proposed. She said okay. yes. They go off. They're now dating long distance. They hit 
so they hit rough patches that are completely generalized and vague on TV saying this is what's going on. It was really hard for us. And then Tino cheated on Rachel. Oh, that no. happened. That happened. That was revealed. He then. So this is the part where Richie's not totally wrong. He's not totally wrong because the, the show did what the show does best. And the show made No, drugs. the show has never done that before. Uh, never went that far. Well, uh, yeah, that, they did that, this with Becca and Ari. I'm saying what they do best is they create drama and they make things worse. So they went and it, I, although there's no, Tino knew what he was getting into when he went to Rachel's house. Like, he, I mean, he, is this is this a bachelor podcast? That's what it is now. Just turned Are into we it. the NFL. He knew what he was getting himself into. He wanted to go back to that house and apologize. Somehow thinking he's so narcissistic because he had no idea that there was no chance they were getting back together. That guy was an idiot. <laughs> like, okay, was, can we rewind a little bit? And I'd just, love to. Like, okay, here's the reality. That chick was an absolute lunatic. What's her name? What's the her entire name? season. Rachel. Rachel. Yes, okay. correct, Richie. I couldn't trust anything she said the whole time. Yes. <laughs> my, my wife is currently telling me, how would you know you didn't watch it? I watched that little amount of it to know that she's a psycho. Richie, I, so, I, was, I was under the impression that you watched this show weekly as well. No, so I gave up because I'm sick. It, honestly, like it, got, it is the same show every season, and uh, I don't have time for that. So – Here's here's my experience with The Bachelor, all right? I had just graduated high school. I was working... Uh, what, what job was I working at that point? I believe I was working in a tomato factory in Leamington, Ontario. Tomato capital of Ontario. And there was a girl that I went to high school with, and there was a couple... couple uh, kind of a group of friends that we'd all gone to high school together. And she said, hey, we're watching The Bachelor. I think it was The Bachelor at that point, because The Bachelor is a new thing, I believe relatively. And I have watched one episode of the series and it's been going on for what I, I was in high school. I graduated high school in 2012 or whatever, or 20, 2008. I mean, so, I mean, at least for the last 14 years, this stupid show has been going on. I've watched one episode of it and I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying, I think it is the dumbest show that has ever been put on cable television. Uh, I mean, I think you're just wrong, but you know, to each their own. I think last night was absolutely electric. Um, I thought it was a B to C plus level season, but I, however, I thought the finale was an A plus. Honestly, I think the whole show in its entirety is an F. Here, I actually just drew a strong conclusion. Joe, in his personal life, for those who are listening, is like known for bullying. Well, so it okay. does not let's, shock me. It, it just doesn't shock me that he thought what happened last night was okay. Richie, Richie, Richie. Joe is That's... known. Let's hold. Let's. No, we're, it's we're like start... his thing. It's his, it's his thing. We're starting to get personal here. Joe is, and I will give Joe credit. Joe is one of the ultimate trolls that I've ever met. Like he has got me Sorry, going. That's the word I meant. He, he has, Joe has got me going like so worked up in the past over stupid things that he says. But in my defense, Richie is the one who gets the most worked up about anything that Joe ever says or does, whether it's Michigan, Michigan state discussion, 
Is that fair, Richie? You get pretty worked up. Um. Yeah, that's okay. fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, I really hope that was going to spark a little bit more than that. No, but I guess there's there's I no mean, way around the truth. Well, yeah. You know what? It's fine. We're all friends I love here, you, Richie. There, yep. say it back. You're Richie. nice. You're you're a good person, Richie. Say you love him back. I love him back. Thank you. That's all I needed. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, but in re- reality, speaking of the show and wives and all that, I just got home from being at work, and this has been my my short stint on tonight's episode. Hey, so thank Richie, you for having me. You have you have been here, and I just I just want to say you have said all that you needed to say and i'm i'm grateful for that yeah i stand by every word so um well richie i love you guys i can't wait to listen to the rest of the episode so some prayers for your computer situation and just know that the sa uh sa prayers weren't answered so s-a-h-t community is with you s-h-a-t it doesn't really roll off the tongue like i hoped it would no it also spells shat so um nope i believe it's sat all right richie well have a good one dang it i'm done all right bye take care (laughs) well now that all the adults are the ones that are remaining here i guess we can carry on to the remainder of our podcast and uh we're gonna jump into a little bit of some nfl talk now sam and joe both joined me i believe it was last week for a little bit of discussion about the cowboys and the steelers but guys i want you to branch outside of your teams right now and i want to just let's do a little bit of like around the league kind of some some quick things. What, what What's one or two things that have stood out to you from weeks one and two? And, and just to give you some time, perhaps I will... Actually, no, I'll let you guys go first because we don't have anything planned and I don't want to potentially steal something from you. So either of you guys want to go first to just give us a little bit of a around-the-league observations. Yeah, I'll go first. I'll uh, I'll hop in. I have, I have thoughts. I mean, the first thing is obvious. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are leaps and bounds way ahead of the curve of everyone else. They that is without question. A wagon. Um, the other thing is the Colts are trash and I've made a lot of money off the Colts being trash the first two weeks. And the third thing that's really impressed me is I think I like Jacksonville to win their division this year. Yes. Wow. And if you're, if you're the betting type, you can get really good odds on Jacksonville to win their division. I think the Titans are trash. I think the Colts are trash. I don't think there's a good team in that division. And I think 500 wins that division by two games. So two things. I've got to give Joe a lot of credit because going into week one, uh, when the Colts were playing, I believe it was Houston, Joe was very outspoken about his lack of faith in the Colts. And he said, don't, don't, go with the Colts on anything. He said, take the Texans week one. And Isn't that crazy? That- right. Sam, were you saying they something? They cover because they didn't win. It was just a tie, but still right. on but the you- right side of history with that. Exactly, exactly. So that's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is in my uh, NFC uh, head scratchers episode, I 
just want to pump my own tires here for a moment and say, I actually threw it out there that I wondered if the Jaguars had what it takes to challenge for their division. So just a little uh, check. Yep. I agree with you. you Joe. That's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. One of those teams. Sam, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you, Sam. You, you are cracking in and out there, ball. homie. Uh-oh. Uh, sad. Another thing that has jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this past week, the comebacks? There were. I feel like the first several. set of games. There were so many great. Did you know the Browns did something that hadn't been done pretty much ever? Yes. There was a. There, I believe the stat was teams that were up either thirteen or fourteen with under two minutes to go and the ball were like. I, I I can't believe I'm going to say the number, but I believe it was like 580. I, I thought it was 700 something. I thought it was like 756. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a stupid amount, a stupid amount of numbers. But of course, the Browns are going to Browns. Well, and one of the one of the best things that I saw was like last time the Browns were two and zero. Uh, Jurassic Park, like the original, was the uh, top <laughs> grossed movie, grossing movie at the time. So. That was amazing. We uh, we potentially have lost yeah. Sam here momentarily, but a couple of things that I wanted to, to hit on. First of all, the Bengals have not fixed their offensive line uh, as much nope. as they tried to tell everybody that they had. Sam, welcome back. I'm just talking about how the Cincinnati Bengals have a dumpster fire for an offensive line. And there was talk this week about how Joe Burrow was saying, like, no, like, get everybody out of the box, put them all out um, to to run routes. I'll, I'll find them. But it doesn't work when you have less than, you know, two and a half seconds to get set up in the pocket now, to find your guys. Now, can I defend here. Joe Burrow for one minute? Yeah. He's cool. Joe, he, he did everything. Yeah, like I, I, get I it. mean, to be fair, I'll give him the benefit of to the doubt fair, is, yeah. I mean, week one, he played uh, the second best pass rusher in the league, TJ Watt. And then last week, the best pass rusher in the league, Micah Parsons. And so is it possible that he just had two elite pass rushers on a defense to open the season and maybe that offensive line will gel together as the weeks go on when they're not having to deal with those two guys? I mean it's possible, but the fact Are we is- gonna talk are we gonna talk about the fact that you just disrespected TJ Watt on this podcast? I know what I said. He, he's oh, accurate. I think wow. Mike, I think Micah Parsons showed more in week two than TJ Watt did, that's for sure. Oh, obviously. Oh, yeah, I agree, Teddy. It's a great <laughs> observation. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys were going to catch that. Uh, Sam, TJ okay. Watts, great. You're welcome. Yeah, so, no, Joe, so- I, I think that's a I think that's a great argument, but I also think we saw a lot of the same results last year from Cincinnati throughout the whole season, and they kind of limped to the Super Bowl final despite that. The offseason, the narrative was, you know, we we've brought in the the players, we've made the adjustments, you know. Your your boy from uh, from Dallas, Lyle Collins or whatever, he's he's not been yep. good. He hasn't helped at all. So I I think I think it's I yeah your your argument is is heard and understood. But I think it's like well, if if you've said you've made all these changes, then you know prove it. All of this realizing that we're two weeks in. So I mean, there's there's lots to lots to hey, lots to still figure out. We overreact for a reason. Yeah, okay. how are you feeling about your Lions? 
so that was going to be my second thing that I was going to talk about. I know Richie alluded to this earlier about, about the Lions winning the Super Bowl. I'm not there yet. You know, swing back to me in week six. Maybe I'll have a different different thought on that. But no, I'm joking. I, they're not going to win. But man, they have been so fun to watch on offense and so painful to watch on defense. I was talking about it in the uh, Commanders-Lions preview about how the Lions needed to be so much better on third down. They obviously were. Uh, like on the defensive side of the ball, they obviously were against Washington, but that's also Washington who looked really good week one against uh, the Jags that we've already pumped up a little bit, but they played the Eagles who I have uh, making it to the NFC championship game. They played Washington who has that three headed monster at wide receiver, but they shut everything else down. Like Carson Wentz through some picks they had the safety. They generated a lot of pressure. I, I think if the Lions defensive line can continue taking steps, I think it can, can kind of cover for some of the uh, linebacking issues that they have beyond uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. I think it kind of covers some of the secondary challenges that they have because they've got a lot of dudes back there. And once in a while, they'll make a play, but it's they don't necessarily have that consistent secondary play. So I'm pumped about the Lions because I think their offense just kind of covers any uh, deficiencies that they have on the defensive side of the ball. It's kind of like, was it the the Chiefs two years ago that their defense was just terrible, but they still made it to the Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback and they put up, you know, 35 points a game and the Lions have put up 35 points a game. So I was thinking about it today. Like Jared Goff has been really good, but Next offseason, Jared Goff's not on the books anymore. If you bring in some, you know, Lamar Jackson, is that uh, the, I know they don't they don't have a lot of cap space. I get it. Joe, but like Joe, are I'm, they are they a top tier quarterback away from moving into the hey, this offense can run anybody off the field? Joe, I need to log off the pot the the call right now and fly to South Dakota to pinch Thaddeus to make sure he's not dreaming because uh this kid's crazy. I, yeah, I, okay, but what here's if, the deal. I don't. I don't think he's that crazy, Sam. And I don't love. I don't have any care for the Lions. Like they're they're neutral to me. I'm Lions neutral. However, what I do see in the Lions is, I mean, have you been impressed with anything Green Bay's done in the first two weeks? I have no. Not. The Bears. I have no. No faith in there. I mean, they're in a full rebuild. Yep. And then you watch the Vikings, and you watch Kirk Cousins. In the second half of that game on Monday night, just looked like an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, he was getting strip sacked, throwing terrible picks. I mean, former line Darius Slay had so many opportunities at interceptions. And so then I'm sitting there going like, who's good in this division? Exactly. Like the Lions should fall into at least four wins just based off the terrible teams in the division. Right, and if they're sitting there at eight or nine wins, like is that they enough to win the NFC North? Wow. Well, who was it a couple Could years be. ago in the NFC East? Wasn't it Philly who or, no, or Dallas? Yes. Yeah. NFC East the last four years has had a team with less than nine wins. I think Carolina a couple years ago was a eight yeah. and eight playoff team. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, I think the AFC South and the NFC North are going to have two are going to be teams that have, I mean, ten wins gets you in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it's it's that thing that uh, I think I've said it a few times over the last couple of weeks, but like, and I, I think it was the guys from the uh, Lions Athletic Podcast who I first heard this, 
but they're talking about how like at the very least the lines are poised to be on that graphic late in the season that says, you know, in the hunt, they may not make it, but but later in the season than ever before, since the lines have made the playoffs, of course, they're going to be on that graphic. And I think that's, I think that's all you want with a Dan Campbell kind of rebuild second year. Yeah. I think you have, I think you have, yeah. I mean, I think you have a good offensive line. I think the, the trio of running backs that you have are, you know, B, B average backs. And then with St. Brown. And I mean, I have think Hawkinson has been a bust and that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. He's not but been good yet. You could consider him a weapon too. So like, yeah, it's so like the weapons are all there. And I mean, if you just need Jared Goff to be average, like you can hang in games. Like I don't see this team getting the doors blown off. Yeah. Jared Goff has one of those like sneaky, really good arms. Like he was the first overall pick for a reason. He's he's not elite, but he has hey, a really good arm. He's no Chad Powers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, Chad Powers. You to, he, did you see the side by side of Jared Goff and Matt Stafford? I, <laughs> I heard about this. Yeah. Oh, about. Yeah. That, yeah. Just, yeah, their stats throughout the year. Like, I mean, Goff's thrown a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. Stafford has, I mean, we could talk about the Rams being the most unimpressive Super Bowl champ in a while. Better. But, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's another episode. I got to throw in a couple, a couple things. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, Sam. Things positive. I'm going to try. I think the, the, the pieces that have been, surprising of teams that have made a statement i think we know two teams that are very for real that i think if we're looking at last year we're not feeling that way we're looking at the philadelphia eagles are our real team they're gonna roll this they're gonna roll this year we're gonna get we're gonna get a 12 win team out of the nfc east this year i think uh i also think the miami dolphins are wow. for real they wow. are oh, I, I, they are for real man they, what they did to Baltimore. Wow. Well, hey, I hope I, I, there's parts of me that hope I'm wrong, but they look very for real, man. They look like they're, if two is able to put up six touchdowns, that's ridiculous. It's the NFL. You like, you have to, that. He's not just pulling that out of his, out of his backside here. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's breaking things down. He's making his reads and uh, you know, they're two and oh right now. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are one and one every team in the AFC North lost this week every Oof. team Oof. that's insane yeah when, when's the last time that happened i'd be interested to know i'll i'll, I'll do a deep dive sometime and, and let you know producer, producer slash statistician stat, yeah. status statistician statistician yeah. sure sam but i, I think it. those those couple coupled with the the bengals obviously being a, a huge letdown um through through their two games uh i'm I, I think Joe's point about the two pass rushes could be a very real thing, but ultimately you're 0-2, you're defending champs, everyone was picking you to win, and I feel like they're not going to. I don't – I mean, I think the competition's pretty low. I think they could probably go 0-7 and maybe still go 10-7 and and win the division. So Wow. That would be something. Yeah. Miami, didn't, didn't they – Weren't they the first team in NFL history last year to lose seven in a row and then win seven in a row? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, they're, they're right. a hot and cold team. Uh, I can't believe you're giving Tua that much love after his first good game in his entire career. Well, but first, whatever. first, first good. Well, not maybe not first good, but like that wasn't even a whole good game. That was, I mean, what two and a half quarters I mean, of terrible play? And, and I've been. 
I mean, I know we don't we talk betting some here, but one of the bets that I made in the beginning of the year was Ravens under their win total for the right. year because I thought this team had already peaked. I think the Greg Roman offense of the Ravens is outdated. I think it's they're banged up. I just I hated everything about this team, and I think I'm justified in feeling pretty comfortable with that bet already. And you've got the distraction on top of it all of Lamar not signing the extension. So what, what happens? Oh. I, I think, you know what? I, I really think that Brad Holmes and dad, Dan Campbell, I almost called him dad Campbell. I don't know if we need to dive into that more than. Yeah. That sounds that, more like but, a therapy session that you need yeah. to have. But I think Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell hop on the old Ford family private jet this off season, make a little trip out to wherever Lamar Jackson is to meet with Lamar and his mom, his agent and say, Hey, Mr. Jackson, what's it going to take to get you? Well, I think the thing is, you know what it's going to take. It's he wants a fully guaranteed contract. He wants the same contract that Kyler Murray got, except add, you know, 50 million, the escalator clause on it. And so I think that's going to be the hard part is, what team with the style that Lamar plays is going to want to give him that fully guaranteed contract, knowing he's one hit away from being done for the year. I mean, that's aggressive. I can think, you, I think, I think the Fords are a family who have the, the capital to do it though. Cause that seems what it's like, what it's going to take. It's just an owner who says, yep, we'll give you the cash. I, I don't, I, don't I, I mean, I think, I don't, I think with every, with every quarterback contract that comes out, I mean, it's, it's the fully guaranteed number. And so Deshaun Watson has now set the bar. Yeah, it's going to go up. 250 up, up, up. million, 250 million fully guaranteed. And so Lamar is going to sit there and go, I got an MVP. Mm-hmm. I got this. Like, pay me the 270 fully guaranteed. Yes. And what team is going to sign up on that? I don't know. It's I mean, gonna the, get, it's going to get outrageous. They, these contracts. They do have, if he goes to Detroit, he would have more weapons than he's probably ever had in his career. So imagine the the level of offense that Detroit could go if they had a little bit of a mobile quarterback. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's exciting. And, and on the tail end of Rogers' career, he becomes the ultimate quarterback of the NFC North. Mm-hmm. There's no competition there. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Might have, I mean, wow. I you love sell it. The farm for that. Guys, I I think I think we need to get on the phone with somebody in Detroit and say, hey, how can we make this happen? Joe, any final words for this week's episode, whether it's wisdom, whether it's encouragement, whether it is life lessons? You look a little frozen on the Zoom, so I don't know if you're still with us, but you got anything? No, I'm still here. All right. What do you got? I'm obviously looking forward to the Monday. I'm looking forward to the Monday night game. Uh, you get Dallas, you get New York, you get the 2-0 and Giants, Brian Dayball doing his thing. Um, is Cooper Rush one, you know, flash in the pan? I mean, we haven't had a 3-0 and Giants team in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the Giants are one of those teams where they're, if they're good, it's always just kind of fun to go, oh, that New York team's actually, like, good. And if, if it's weird to see that, like, I mean, Saquon's playing crazy, but – uh. Yeah, it's just like it's hard to see Daniel Jones leading a three and O team, mm-hmm. but uh, the 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 cards are there for him to beat Cooper Rush and the Cowboys and move the Giants to three and O in the best league in football, the NFC East. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Sterling Shepard leads the NFL in air yards per uh, target. So Daniel Jones is doing something right. Sam, anything that you have, whether it's football or life related to leave with us before we got, sign off? Sorry, I got two syllables for you. Okay. Kenny, 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 Kenny. I, no, uh, I will be curious to see at the beginning of the season, I was pretty set on thinking Tomlin is going to say, Trubisky, hey, Mitch is going to be our guy. He's doing all the things we're asking of him, and he's going to continue to be our guy until until he is unable to do what we are asking of him. And uh, and I think he was going to stick with him through the season. And um, I am not so sure. I'm if the offense keeps spiraling out of control like it is, it's you look at Claypool, you look at Deontay Johnson, you look at George Pickens, you look at Najee Harris, Fryermuth, you look at Mitch, yeah, and Fryermuth, Muth, and you mm-hmm. look at Trubisky. Trubisky is uh he's definitely the weak name that I just listed. Um and and the O line I think is atrocious. It uh is. whatever they're doing schematically is is not working to their strengths. So I think they've got to figure that out. And if they don't figure it out tomorrow night against the Cleveland Brownies, the Browns is the Browns. And if they don't figure it out, we might see some changes coming. Whether it's whether it's Mitchell or whether it's Mr. Canada, oh Canada. Might be time to go. Uh, I don't think they would let him go in the middle of the season, but they probably should. But I, I would just like to point out for anybody listening that offensive coordinator Matt Canada is not Canadian, and therefore any anti-Steelers sentiment that you have that would maybe spill over into anti-Canada sentiment, it just needs to stop right now because I'm not for it and I'm not going to stand for it. So don't even don't even come at me with, hey, what's what's up with your your Canadian boy because. He's not. So I apologize well, to all the people of Canada. Thank you, Sam. I will make sure that that apology is put into the hands of those who need to hear it. Well, everybody, my final words of wisdom and encouragement and life lessons is this. And it's, it's honestly, I'm glad if you're still tuned in to this part of the episode, I'm very pleased because I think you needed to hear this today. And I think I needed to be the one who said it. And so maybe just find find a, a quiet place to really hear what I'm about to say and let this sink in. And especially Richie, I, I hope you're still here for this because what I want to share is always and and ever and ever um, keep in your mind. And in your heart and in your 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 soul, the truth that says always remember that Kirk Cousins attended MSU. And on that note, for Richie who was here briefly, producer Sam, or at the Keto Grill Guy, this is the stay-at-home fad, and I We'll talk to you later.